Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow man, hoping we can make It's so good. It's so good. Here we are one more time. Uh, Blog Talk Radio from the catch with a wonderful guest to share with you tonight. Um, we're, uh, we're very excited. I'm just excited so much about this program and, and the people I get to share with you, our audience. And uh, this is one of our favorite guests, actually. I, I've lost track of how many times we've had him, but uh, he's got an amazing, unique ministry in Denver, Colorado, um, working with uh, kids, homeless, lost, runaway, you name it, kids on the street. Um, And not only that, but during the summer, they link a program by bringing We'll talk about this in just a minute. They bring they bring high school groups from suburbia, Texas, or who knows where, you know, and they come in and they go up into the high into the mountains, into the Rockies, and uh, for a few days and experience. Uh, it's called elevations, and then they come down and experience life with uh, these kids uh, in the city. And uh, it's an amazing program, and kids come home uh, totally, totally changed from, from uh, you know, having this kind of experience. So we're, we're going to talk about um, Dry Bones Ministries, and, uh, and the head of that ministry is my good friend Robbie Goldman. Uh, Robbie, welcome back to The Catch on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you, John. It's always a privilege to talk to you and to this group. And, um, yeah, the support and the, the love that you've shown us for over two decades now, knowing you and is so appreciated. And uh, I just yeah. always enjoy being, being with you. Yeah, well, that yes, that goes, that goes both ways. Um, so, gosh, you know, it's been a while since we've had you. So let's, Let's just quickly um, run through some history. Uh, I was thinking, like, how how long has it been since uh, you started uh, this ministry? So, yeah, it's been, this will be our 22nd year Hmm. uh, of being here. So 22 years, uh, you know, a couple of good friend partners of mine and, uh, they moved up here, and we we were working on this, and yeah, and then put then my family joined them as we got everything put together, and that's been 22 years of has seemed to have flown by. Uh, wow, working here in Denver in the metro area, yeah. Um, obviously, uh, this 
this whole ministry has evolved and it's changed over those years from what you started. Uh, can you, I know you can't tell us all of those changes, but maybe give us a, just a feel for what you started with and what it's, what it's grown into. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The beginning was, like I said, it was just, uh, was kind of a group of about four or five of us, you know, my wife did always come downtown with us, but she was part of it. And, uh, the other directors, Matt and Nikki Wallace, they're still involved. And then our original friend, Jeff, uh, Metters and his wife, Kama have, you know, moved on pretty quickly. Uh, but the rest of us stayed here and we really just kind of focused out of a little church building. They gave us a small little office, but then we just hung out downtown. In the beginning, it was just building relationships, hanging out, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what was next and meeting these mm-hmm. kids on the streets and, you know, discovering their lives and then trying to provide something. We didn't even know what it was going to be, but it kind of turned into a, you know, kind of a one, one extra night after doing outreach four or five days, we'd spend one full evening together back then in a pool hall. We would rent a pool hall and shoot pool for a couple of hours and then serve a meal. And, and then we started seeing how those times were special and we'd kind of hang out at a coffee shop for a while on one day. And then we started having, we called it lunch and Bible study at my house and there are another friend's house. And then, yeah, we just involved. And then you know, over the years, the the relationships grew. We also decided that we were like, we don't need to age these kids out when they get to a certain age. So we're like, what are we going to do when we have 40-something-year-old friends? Well, we just be friends. And so it evolved into this this idea of not just a social program or anything, but a place, you know, kind of a sanctuary place of, and then we got an apartment. We actually ran our nonprofit out of an apartment for about seven years, a three-bedroom apartment where we learned, you know, had a kitchen. And over the last, uh, this is our seventh year, we've had our own uh, space in a wonderful office building that's designed for nonprofits. It's owned by the Urban Land Conservancy here in Denver. And so we're able to afford a space because they rent it at a very reasonable rent. Uh, so we're able to read that there. And, um, yeah, so we hung out, and, and we've now had this space, which is, you know, wide open, and we still wow. have meals, and we have Thursday nights. And, yeah, we just – this was this is a, a day that we went uh, – just coming off of lunch, and we, you know, we had sit-down family-style meal with about 22 of our friends, you know, and hung out and, mm-hmm. and had lunch together and – uh, you know, passed the bowls and washed the plates and enjoyed a complete afternoon of lunch and just being real with each other. So, and, and, and then, of course, as well, we've got a job training program that we'll talk more about and just able to move through life. Just whatever life brings, we don't have one specialty that we do, but whether whatever the, whatever the need is, uh, we developed what we call the art of companioning, and that's uh, kind of what we've uh, evolved to be: is these the companions to folks that just don't have that don't have companions that walk with them. So that's a short wow. little synopsis. Yeah, art of companioning. I love that. Yes. Um, yeah. 
well, practice that. We we started yeah. with practicing the ways of Jesus. That's that's the that's the core. Cool yeah. Well, practicing the ways of Jesus. That's, that's and that what turned he into did. the art of companioning. That's right. That's, that's right. What he did. And we feel like the, his ways are ways that we could practice today and into the future, and it'll never go out of style. <laughs> there is no there is no trending yep. with the ways of Jesus. They are the ways of life, and so that's uh, what we practice. You know, we've we've been noticing. Uh, Robbie, that that uh, I love the, where you what you, what you said a few minutes ago about building relationships uh, being where you started, and uh, yeah, we've just been realizing over and over again. Uh, it's always been relationships, but it, it just seems like now it's even more so. It's even more prevalent and more important uh right that because we you know we're talking a lot about trying to get older people like us uh boomers uh-huh. uh, with, with millennials and we realize right. it's it's not going to happen through a program it's not going to happen through no. you know through a notebook or it's gonna no. it's gonna happen through a study it's going to happen through relationships and, uh, that's right. We, that's we've got right. to get these people together. <laughs> so we don't know each other's story, John. We've lost, yeah. we've lost the ability to tell and receive and hear stories. And in the sense of the older and the younger, we've lost the story keepers. You know, and so we we just think we come up with this set of rules. We 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 we've got to learn how to hear each other. And hear the hear the stories, and then when we hear the story, one thing we try to do is not rationalize or bring the story to where now it's okay for me to be with you. You know, uh, we just have to let the person come into our lives with their story, and and build from that. That doesn't have to be the end or anything; it's the beginning, and hmm. and then we build it. But and they'll have to rewrite their story. You know, we. Um, so often one of the things we find is like the tendency when you when you're trying to get groups together and build a relationship the, the the skill that we're learning is we offer a lot of options but those options aren't conditional if you don't choose the right option you can't be part of our group they're just options and so if a friend is like struggling with you know substance abuse and they're like, I don't. I'm tired of this. We can point and say, here's a great facility, and then, but they know that it's not conditional. Like, well, if I don't take the option, then I'm not going to be part of Dry Bones anymore. They know mm-hmm. that if they don't take the option, they're still part of Dry Bones, and mm-hmm. then we'll keep moving along. You know, we're not trying to drive the relationship either. We're letting the relationship evolve by common storytelling, and mm-hmm. and common living living together in a sense and so i think it works the way with the generations as well and how we've we've lost some of the the common story that bonds us together is just so uh it's non-existent we don't tell it uh we don't have the i would i would branch out especially with this group understand we we need to form elders we don't we don't have as many elders the way we've 
that is a past histories of relational, the way relational ministry, the relational stuff has worked. There was always a group, a strong eldership uh, hmm. that could hold those things. So and I think that's that's one thing, you know, if we dry bones, we're trying to, we're not trying to be the elders. We're trying to develop the elders within this community, you know, hmm. the, the ones that know the story, that know to hold those things. And maybe sometimes we get to be the elders, but we don't have to be. You know, that's not what – we're not responsible to hold it all together. Um, the, the story does that. Mm. Wow. So we try um, to hold that story. I remember along the way, you you guys have developed some some really cool – I don't know what the, – they're not tactics necessarily. I don't know what to call them, um, but uh, just little practices – that help people get to their stories. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, could you, is there something yeah. you could share along those lines? Uh, I, I remember one time you told me, I can't remember right uh, all of it, but a, a person tells a story and then someone tells it back to them or something like that. Um, yeah, we do some story exchanges. We've done some, we've done some work with story like that little techniques. A lot yeah. of it, uh, is practice with deep listening. Uh, we try to practice deep listening and sharing and, and then giving time. And so being able to learn to reflect someone's story back, these are just things that uh, that people have never heard. And so sometimes the stories come out and they're the, they're the way the story was told so many times, like maybe, you know, through trauma or through uh, survival and so mm-hmm. one of the techniques we use is we're, when we're listening to story and then to be able to maybe share that story back, reflect it back to them, like this is what I heard you say type techniques, which is uh, a compassionate listening program. But we also have had kids write their story and have other people read it back to them as if it was their own story. And it's kind of a great. story exchange type thing where where they're able to – tell their story and then they hear their story back in someone else's first person little conversations like that that we guide along and we don't do like huge groups that's not real comfortable for our friends but just the idea of trying to build those techniques within the community so you know it it makes the things that they've had to tell that are probably just not true they it's not like you have to catch them in a lie but it helps them hear their story back and go Wow, that's the way I did it. We we had a young man today. We kind of I walked through that process with him. He had he had really had a hard time here. One of our meetings uh, last week, and got really upset. And when he came today, because he knows he wasn't kicked out or anything, but some of the other kids called him on. It's like, hey, last week you really upset everybody, and then we were able to voice back to him what he had said. And just within 30 minutes, he came back and he said, guys, I want to apologize, this, that, and the other. No one told him he had to do that. But hearing his own story reflected back to him by people that weren't trying to beat him up, that weren't trying Mm -hmm. to, you know, ridicule him, switched his ability to kind of go, okay, I can come back. I still belong. And so all of the techniques or ways we do it, you know, start from our kind of our ethical base that everyone has unsurpassable worth 
and everyone belongs and everyone deserves unconditional love. And so when, well, when situations happen, well, that doesn't mean that behavior belongs, but we're able to separate behavior. And when somebody's living not out of their worth, that doesn't change their worth and value, but it, it helps us to go, here's our starting point. This person has unsurpassable worth and value. Right now, it's obvious they don't know that or they're not living out of that. How do we maintain what we need to maintain to keep the community going and also not attack someone's values, not attack their worth? In other words, no shame. You know, We don't mm. let the shame game be played. And so those are some of the techniques that, you know, if you call them techniques or just living styles, and again, hopefully the root of that is seen in the way Christ, um, you know, Christ talked to his closest people and to the stranger on the street, you know. Those are practices that we try to pick up uh, from that, that no one you see Jesus forcing to believe in him. You know, there was no right. force. And usually when when force was the option that people thought he should use, he would rebuke that and say, no, not going there. This is not the this is not the mode, and so we've tried to pick up that same thing, and it's hard. It's not the way our world operates. You know, punitive punitive discipline is a lot more common than mm. you know, not even just restorative, but just as grace and and worth and value uh, leading the way. And so it's hard. It's it's not always easy, but it's uh, been a way of, of keeping a community going. Um. Well, uh, I, I I couldn't write fast enough. You you listed three <laughs> things: unsurpassable yeah. worth. What were the other two? Yes. Uh, uh, belonging. Everyone belongs. Mm-hmm. And and everyone has deserves unconditional love. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. great. Boy, there are three pillars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, talk about uh, where where you're going now and in the future. Um, yeah, you've got some some pretty exciting things ahead. So uh, we give do. us a little feel of that. Right. So just several years ago, we entered into kind of the one of the gaps. Like, what are some of the gaps these kids' lives are holding? And one of the biggest one was pretty much a vast majority were unemployable. It's not mm. that they were bad kids. They just had so many barriers, so many hurdles and left turns and dead ends and decision-making skills and life skills. And so the need for some type of job readiness, job training program came in, and we started that with a small coffee shop several years ago with some friends of ours, and that well, that worked well, and then it, until it did it, you know, economy and different things kind of pushed into that. Uh, being a customer service front-facing thing was difficult at the beginning, and so we switched and, and helped start a roaster, coffee roasting business. Hmm. And just uh, a few years ago, all of that, which was outside of Dry Bones in a sense, had its own 501c3. Right in 2020, perfect timing, we brought all that back into Dry Bones 
uh, kind of within our under our umbrella, and since then we've been able to expand uh, the ideas and the concept and really hone in on what we're hoping to have these young people see and learn and experience. Uh, I like to say when they're working from stability and not always trying to grasp it. Well, a lot of them always don't live, have a place to live when they start working with us. They can actually use working at Purple Door Coffee as a stable place to work from. So many street kids are always working towards. They don't really get these things, but they're like, when I get here, if I get this, if I can do this. And so changing the concept that they are, as I'm working here, I can do this. And so they have a stable, a little bit of stability platform as they're moving. So building off of that, we've been able to uh, keep the roaster going, moving, you know, moving sales up. Uh, right now we have five uh, young people working there. And then mm-hmm. over over the last two years, we were approached by a group at the Central Presbyterian Church in Denver to use part of the space in a building they also own to start another coffee shop. Hmm. And we've kind of, we're like, the more we said no, the more they said yes. And for, <laughs> so we kind of bantered over a year ago and they're like, we're not opening the shop. They're like, well, we're going to have, go ahead and do a build out. Like, okay, but we're not opening a shop until finally one day, one day, like, here's the offer. Here's the space. And we're like, let's open it. And so we've been raising funds. Uh, we've just hired our coffee shop manager and the dream for this coffee shop will be more of a second step employment opportunity for those that graduate from our purple door coffee, uh, job training program, as well as other of our friends who are, who are very capable of working, but have other barriers that have kept them from being employed, that there will be a place that you can work and have a, Mm. a, a good paying job in a, in a lovely beautiful space and and so we're really excited this fall to to open the doors uh, you know everything keeps going progressing uh, early fall to open the doors of our coffee shop to tag along with our uh, our coffee roasting business we're also working on an internship program with the Denver Zoo to be able to have our friends experience working at the Denver Zoo uh, for two to three months while they're still kind of in the safety net of Purple Door Coffee. Yeah, so there's some super exciting things uh, moving on that line. And then that just sends a ripple effect across all of the street kids. Uh, it may not, may they it may not all work there, but when they see something like this, the positive ripple effect um, hmm. is just, it's, it's amazing. Uh, as they see some, even some of their friends work, there's just the conversations change around here as things grow and move and uh, people start looking for housing. So those are super exciting. We're, we're working with uh, developing a peer uh, a peer support position uh, within the drive on staff or community where uh, folks with lived experience will be able to provide super deep insight to uh, lives and uh, decisions and so that's that's another active thing we're doing is is trying to figure out how to create um, a peer support you know kind of a peer companion 
uh, as they move along. Uh, yeah, and that's that's at breakneck speed. Right in the middle of them, we'll have our elevations program start. You know, <laughs> so it it's yeah. kind of a yeah. You just you just kind of hold on and, and uh, let it go. So. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's great. Purple Door. There must be a story behind that. Why is it Purple there Door is. Coffee, not Dry Bones Coffee? <laughs> well, we call it Purple Door when it first started. Uh, a good friend of ours used to work for us. We, He and I were, at, uh, were doing street outreach one day. <clears throat> this wonderful friend of ours, she was really struggling with heroin, struggling with life. She loved chili dogs and Fritos. And so we were like, man, we need to go find her. So we we are driving around, and we found her. We found a hot dog vendor. We ordered chili dogs. We pulled our uh, Suburban over to a parking lot, pulled the tailgate down, and we sat there eating our delicious meal of chili dogs and Fritos and sodas. And we looked at her, and we said, you know, you you do realize that you're a princess, right? She's like, what? And we said, you're a princess. You are royalty. There is nothing about you that's not royalty. And I said, hmm. you know, we just talked about this meal and who she was inside, and she just beautiful. And the heroine and this lady had made amazing decisions for a child she was carrying. She carried the child and, you know, went to the, the hard decision to to have that child adopted and moved, you know, just she just done these things, and we're like, don't let don't let the world define your value. Mm. And so, the guy that I was with wrote a song called Royalty mm. after that. And when the Purple Room Coffee folks uh, heard that and knew that story, well, the color of royalty is purple, right? And so that was the royal color. And so they were like, let's name it royalty. But we won't use the royalty name. We'll just use the color. And so that's where the color came from. And then the door, of course, is the door of opportunity, things that move through, and and the things that come through a doorway. Around here we call that liminal space. It's the space but the threshold, the the moving from one thing to something else. the, the, sometimes that doorway is easily open and sometimes it's not. But there's a doorway of opportunity and hope and, and movement. And so it's a royal doorway. It's the purple door. Mm. It's purple mm. door coffee. So wow. the, the, the idea that everyone is there, is treated as and is royalty. And that the doors are hard and doors open and close. And, but this one is the space that you can stand in, the threshold between now and tomorrow. And, now in the past, it's okay to stand in that threshold. So that came up, Purple Door Coffee, and uh, yeah. that's that's yeah. that really stuck. Yeah. Wow, wow, that's great. Um, I can't believe it. Uh, we're almost out of time, but what yeah. I want to do finally is um, bring this home to our listeners who. You know, they don't live on the street and they're not with they're not necessarily with uh, kids all the time. Uh, Right. What what are the things? Well, we've already kind of touched upon it in terms of building relationships. But just tell us, give us a little bit more about 
what we can do uh, to to make our life and and our just our relationships, our ministry through relationships, more significant. What would you say? Well, I think you know. I think the the gut feeling with folks that especially follow Christ sometimes it almost feels overwhelming or it feels programmed, or we've all kind of been there. We've all been in that scene. But the idea when you just boil down to relationships, when you look at the human across from you, the human that is standing on the corner or wherever, and think of the the things that we all have in common, the things that we can share and the things that we feel, and, you know, just the feel all the feels, you might say. So many times we worry about what will this lead to we worry we get caught up in that well if i do this then this will happen and this will happen. we we so we never we never engage i think the mm. first thing with relationships is the first engagement you know the eyes the voice a wave a hello it's a there is a it feels like a little bit of a risk but engaging mm-hmm. in what, what almost trusting your gut in a sense uh Seeing the humanity that's before you and letting that be enough. Uh, in this world, where the battles that we battle, the battles that we hear about who's in and who's out and, and what you know pronouns to use or what this, this, it's not that I'm not saying that's all this stuff's not important. I believe it is. But the most important is the human that's before you. You know, Jesus taught us, the, the I think, even what his disciples, John, said was the he showed us the full extent of his love. Now, it wasn't mm. on the cross. It wasn't even at the resurrection. The way the way those women and men reflected about what was the full extent of Jesus' love is when he washed their feet. Huh. This was all huh. a reflection. He looks back and they say, Jesus showed us the full extent of his love. This was, they, this was all the story after the resurrection. Huh. Not that that wasn't an incredible show of his love but when they wrote about it they went back to john 13 and said hey we saw it hmm. he showed us this. well can we do it and that was the challenge go do this hmm. this is what you do and so find those you know foot washing moments find those moments when who you are what you know about yourself that's what things jesus said he knew where he had come from and where he was going he yes. knew himself, and he said, I know where I am, and this is what I choose to do. You know, mm. take that ego out. Take those things out. And when you know yourself, go do the foot-washing things. It may be, you know what, I'm smiling at the at the person on the corner. I may not have a dollar to give them, but I have a smile. I have an acknowledgement. It may be a dollar that day. That's fine, too. I don't know what it is. There's no program of what the the what the what is, but we all control the how we do it. We mm. every every one of us control how we do things. And so I think if we we're going to focus on relationships, is not only know what you're doing, but control how you do it. That's mm. that is within our control, and that, mm. that's what. You know, we can have all the news stories in the back of our head. That's fine. All those debates, that's great. But when you're standing with a human in front of you, 
what we want to do and how we want to do it is in our control. And Jesus recommends washing feet. So hmm. we got to kind of start there with relationships, I think. Oh, wow. That's right. That's right. Robbie, so rich. That's so good. That's so good. I, I just want, yeah, somehow we got to get more time with you and <laughs> we, we have to have you teach us how to do this. This is so good. Well, um, so okay. we'll, we'll just keep in touch and uh, but I appreciate so much. And if you want to keep in touch uh, our listeners with with uh, Dry Bones Denver. It's dry drybonesdenver.org is uh, the website, and uh, uh, it's also purpledoorcoffee.com. And uh, and get yourself some coffee and help support this incredible work. Um, so God God bless you, Robbie, and everybody Thank working you, with you. Thank you. Awesome, Thank man. you so much. Thank you, John. We'll do this again. Love you, sir. Love okay. you, too. Love you. Wow. There you go, folks. Oh. That was great. You're listening to The Catch yeah. with we, John we got to learn. Blog talk radio. Lot to learn about relationships. We learned a lot tonight. God bless. Join us next week. Listen to this one again. I encourage you. Thanks.